Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. This morning, I think I'm starting a series. I just never know sometimes, but I think it's going to be. And uh, I want you to find uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Amen. First Peter chapter two, go there. And I'm, I'm going to start and I want you know, you know, uh, to stay with me on this. I'm going to talk about holiness and how many know that we're all growing in holiness. Nobody's arrived. Amen. And we still have, we still have, uh, you know, as you get older, you, you know, you get, you get more victories, less struggles, but you know, sometimes as a babe in Christ, you still got some struggles, don't you? Does anybody remember being a babe in Christ? You weren't, you weren't, you know, you still had some ways to go. Amen. And uh, God's still working on us. Amen. So don't ever beat yourself up. Don't ever let the devil beat you up. Just keep coming. It seemed like, I don't know why the Lord brought this incident to me, but I remember years ago I was going to preach at a church on a Sunday morning, you know, and, um, you know, I, uh, I pulled into the parking lot and I pulled up to the you know, to the church there. And a guy pulls in beside me in a big old Cadillac and he's smoking a big old cigar. Man, he's smiling from ear to ear. And I'm thinking, well, that's something new. That's something different. You know, usually you don't see the saints come smoking in, <laughs> you know. And, um, you, know, you know, I didn't know anything about the guy. I'd never seen him before, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to preach. This wasn't my, my church. It was a visiting church I was visiting to preach at. And when I met that guy, I found out he was a baby Christian and he was so in love with Jesus. And I thought there'll be a day when Jesus will remove those big old cigars from this guy and he'll deliver him from these hillbilly cigars. How many know what a hillbilly cigar is? That's a big cigar. And so, uh, you you know, and, and this guy was just turned out to be a wonderful guy. But, you know, I think all, you know, now I, I'm a little older, and so I see him, and I'm thinking, you know, that's really not the way you're supposed to arrive at church. But he doesn't know all this yet. And so, you know, I have to realize God's taking us in phases, man. He's taking us in different levels. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, as you go, he, he, he helps you clean, clean up. Isn't that right? You know, you, you learn how to... To, to dress according to the Word of God, to talk according to the Word of God, to think according to the Word of God, you know, to do with your body according to the Word of God. You begin to learn these things. You don't know these things overnight. You have to grow. You have to learn. And that, that's called, I mean, that's called holiness. You know, we're going to read a scripture. I don't know if we'll get to it today or not, but we're going to read a scripture that talks about perfecting holiness. Well, you know, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become what's called righteous. How many know that the Bible says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be, anybody know the rest of that scripture? We might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we're made righteous. When we get saved, we're righteous. When you get saved, you know what? You're just as, if, if somebody gets saved today, they are just as righteous as the pastor is. Now they may not be living as holy yet, but they're just as righteous. Righteousness is something that you, you're given by God. Right. Holiness is something you live out in your life. Amen. Right. You begin to work it out. Praise God. You, you, begin to, you begin to change. Man, when I got saved, I began to change. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. So I want you to look with me at this scripture in 1 Peter chapter uh, 2. And um, if you don't have a Bible, just listen to this. Uh, but I'm going to read this. I'm probably going to read some other scripture today, most likely. But I want, you to, I want us to begin here in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, you also, verse 5, did I tell you that? All right, go for verse 5. You also as lively, this is the old King James, or, or living stones. How many know we should be lively? Lively stones are, are built up a spiritual house, a, a holy priesthood. Everybody say holy. holy. To offer up spiritual sacrifices. So, you know, just like the priest in the Old Testament offered up sacrifices, we're supposed to offer up sacrifices. Now, what are some of the sacrifices that we're supposed to offer up? I'm hearing things. I got two anyway, all right, so I'm going to help you out since we only got two. We're to, we're to offer the sacrifice of praise to God, Amen. right? Did you know that uh, when you come to church and you praise God, you're offering, as a holy priest, you're offering sacrifices? How many think we should do that? What do you think it looks like to God when, it, when, when everybody's offering sacrifices but you? Why did it get so quiet? Turn my mic back on, will you, please? How many know that uh, when I first got saved, you know, I remember that, the praise thing, you know, I, I, I mean, I was like self-conscious about that. But, you know, uh, eventually you get the revelation that we didn't come to church to, to watch you. We came here to worship the Lord. You're like, people are going to look at me if I, hey, maybe you might inspire somebody. Amen? And how many know that, that we're to offer up praise? How many know we're, the Bible says we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice? What does that mean? Well, how many know we're, we're supposed to realize our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost? And so we present them to God holy. Amen? Uh, we're to offer up our finances. The Bible calls our finances a sacrifice to God. It calls our, our material goods a sacrifice to God. I mean, everything you have, listen now, everything you have really doesn't belong to you. You're just borrowing it. You're just a steward of it. Because when, when, you, when you do pass on from this life, you're not taking anything with you. Amen. I, I was preaching a funeral here a while back, and I noticed, you know, I will hang around at the end, you know, with the family, you know, they, all, they pass by. And so I'm hanging around, and I, I noticed as, right before they get ready to close the casket, the family's taking the rings, the watches, and all that off. And I'm thinking, that's a really smart idea, because where this person's at, that's just cheap junk. Because I have no this person was loved God and went to heaven. And so that... I don't care if you do have a presidential Rolex that costs $17,000. It's junk compared to what God has. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. So, not, I mean, you know, even if you left it in the casket, it's not going anywhere. Right. 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 Amen? Amen? You heard that story about this guy that, you know, he kept talking to God, just please let me take a little gold with me to heaven. You know, I have some gold coins, and I would just like to take them to heaven. 
And, and God said, you can't bring that stuff up here. And he just kept after God, please let me take this to heaven. This is a story, folks. This isn't a true story. It's a story. Some of you are looking at I never heard about that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, and so he, he just keeps after God, and finally God says, okay, you can take one bag of it. So he gets up to heaven, and Peter meets him, and Peter says, what's in the bag? He says, oh, you got to see this, and he opens up, and it's gold coins. And Peter looks at him and says, why'd you bring pavement with you? Wow. They pave the streets better up there than stuff you wear on your body. Oh, and I need to straighten something up. I told my wife I got to quit talking about what we like to eat and stuff because we get too much of it. So she said to tell you that we like diamonds and chocolate. <laughs> All right, just so we got that cleared up. So if you're in the market for blessing us, there you go. And I'm not even that big into diamonds. She is, but anyway. All right, now that that's all clear, how many know that... Uh, you, you, you know, our money, our goods, none of it belongs to us. Uh, it all belongs to the Lord. The Bible calls him the possessor of heaven and earth. And so once you really do get the revelation of that, it's really not hard to give it away because, you know, you're giving somebody else's stuff away, not your own. I mean, the easiest thing for me to do is to, to get Pastor Jerry's billfold and bless you all. If he, if he gives it to me, I'll bless everybody in here with whatever he's got in there. And I feel no loss at all because it's not mine. And once you get the revelation that everything belongs to God, it's not that hard to bless people. It's not that hard to give it because it doesn't belong to you anyway. So our, our material stuff, everything I have is, is subject. I remember one time the Lord told me, he said, I want you to give a suit away. Now, when I say the Lord told me, I mean, I just, I just knew strongly in my spirit. I mean, no, God speaks to our hearts, you know, and I just knew the Lord said, I want you to give a suit away. So I go in my closet and I'm looking at the back, you know, that one that maybe this, this will date me, that one that maybe Herb Tarlick wore. I didn't get much response because nobody knows who he is because he's too old. But Herb would wear like, you know, striped jacket with plaid pants to work. And... Uh, you know, I'm looking at that, and the Lord said, no, I want you to give this one. Well, it was my favorite one. And then I had this one tie. I really liked it. I wore it and wore it and wore it. And the Lord said, I want you to give the tie that goes with it. And I thought, wow. You know, because, you know, God, I mean, God wants a sacrifice. It's like we were having a missionary thing one time where we were giving taking clothes, sent them to a, a, a missionary to Mexico. He was taking clothes to Mexico, and so our church was giving, uh, you know, clothing away. And one guy in the church named Keith, he reached up there, and he, he reached up to get these old boots. And he's going to, you can imagine what the missionaries think it's like here in America when they get these boxes. It's, you know, it smells bad, old stinky boots and wore out clothes, you know. And so he, he said, here's what he said. He said, I reached up there to get those boots because I didn't wear them. And he said, I, I, re I was going to pull them down and put them in the box. And he said, I heard the Lord say, Keith, if you sow junk, you're going to reap junk. So he said, I put them back and got my good boots. Amen. So we, 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 our, our material stuff is a sacrifice to God. Amen. 
You know, uh, our service uh, to God and to his people is a sacrifice. You know, some of you, you're working all the time. Some of you, I don't know what your title is. You're Mr. Do Everything, Miss Do Everything, Mr. Fix It, Miss Fix It. Um, And maybe you don't think anybody notices, but we do notice. And the thing of it is, it's a sacrifice to God. And, you know, you have to quit looking at it as like just a sacrifice to the church, but see it as a sacrifice to God. A pastor said one time a couple volunteered to do something in his church. He said they came to me. He said they volunteered. They were going to do it. He said, great, fine. He said, then they came to me and said, well, we're not going to be able to be here because we got a family thing going on and, and we can't be here and we can't do it. And so he said, I said to them, that's fine. That's okay. No problem. He said, when they walked away, the Lord said to him, did I say it was okay? See, they're not doing this for you. They're doing it unto me. Amen. And it's a sacrifice. So we're to be a holy. Amen. Everybody say holy. Now, go down into the ninth verse of the same chapter, chapter 2, verse 9. And let's read this verse because I think this is good. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Thank God you're not, you're, you're different, right? You know, people sometimes talk about, you know, have you ever heard the term generational curses? Yeah. You may have heard that term. Uh, you know, my dad had this, my, my, his dad had this, and his dad had this. Well, I realize that, that there's truth to that, that maybe dad had heart problems, and then grandpa had heart problems, and then they're telling you, you, you have heart problems. But let me tell you something. You're not of the same generation. You're of a chosen generation. When you got born again, your roots were, became in Jesus Christ. It broke that off of you. You're a different generation. You don't have to carry on that legacy. Amen. And I've seen that. Families don't misunderstand me, and I'm not saying it's not a real thing. But I'm saying as, when, as Christians, when we get born again, we're delivered from that. We don't have to put up with that. Amen. You know, I know things pass down, but only let the good things pass down. You know, sometimes I, oh, they always told us, you know, now, now, son, if you're picking a woman out, you know, when you're young, make sure you take a good look at her mother. Because that's what you're going to have in a few years. That did not bless some of you. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> but how you know, it, it, it's the truth. And, and ladies, take a good look at dad because that's, that's what you're going to have in a few years. Amen. <clears throat> now look at this verse 9. He says, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. Listen, a holy. Everybody say holy. holy. A holy nation, a peculiar people. That's the King James, and some of us are peculiar. But it means a special Chosen out, picked people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you, listen to this now, out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. That means we, our, our lifestyles should reflect the life of God, not the darkness of the world. Amen. So people should be able to, and, and, I, and many times if you're sensitive, you can. You can just tell believers. I mean, ones that really love Jesus Christ, you can tell them, in, you can spot them in public sometimes. They just, 
they got a, they got a different air about them. Amen. They got a different look about them. Amen. It's kind of like the story I've told you many times about the time, you know, my old license compared to the new me. You know, when I got born again, the picture on my driver's license was the old me. And I looked pretty rough. It, I remember I, I had to make it to the dry, the, what they call it, the motor license branch uh, by noon on Saturday to get my not license. And I'm not, you know, I listen, I've been living a rough life, man. Drugs, alcohol abuse. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I, I looked rough. Hair's longer. I go there, you know, and I get my picture taken. And, and it, you know, it looks like a mug shot, you know, and I look bad. And so I get saved and the Lord starts changing my countenance and changing everything about me. And then I have to go get my license renewed. And I go into the license branch and the lady says, I'll have to have your old license to, you know, and give you your new ones. And I told her, I said, I'd like to keep my old license. I was just keeping it as a souvenir, you know, what God can do for you. And she said, no, I'll have to have them. And so I gave them to her. She looked at that picture of me, the old me before Christ. She looks at me. I'm not making any of this up. I'm not adding any jam to it. I'm not preaching. This is exactly what she said. She looked at me and said, this isn't you. I said, yes, it is. She says, no, it's not. I said, ma'am, that's me. She goes, that's not you. I said, yes, ma'am, that's me. She goes, what happened to you? You talk about an open door to witness. I'm telling you. I said, that's what happens when the life of God comes inside of you. You go from this to this really handsome looking, well-built, intelligent. What are you laughing about? We're talking 40 years ago, folks. In those, you think Phyllis would have married me if I'd looked like this when she saw me? I look different. She married more than my, she, she got my brain with it. That was a real prize. And my money, right? She told me one time she, she married me for my arms. I had arms in those days. I still got arms today. They just don't look like the same arms. You know how you get a little older, you know, and you get a pillow here so your grandkids can lay their heads on it, you know? Let me, let me know what I'm talking about. Well, if you're not there, eventually you'll arrive. Praise God. Thank God we're getting new bodies. Amen. All right. So he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, the word church, one of the, word, one of the meanings of the word church, we talk about Oasis Church or I'm going to church. One of the meanings of the word church means to be called out. God called us out of the world. Remember, Jesus said of his own disciples, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. See, now we're going to talk about that. We'll make it there today a little bit about what that means and how we should handle that. Amen. But now, since we're in first Peter, let's go over to second Peter. And I want to read a verse there. Uh, Actually, three verses there. Second Peter chapter one. Go there. So. You and I, as God's people, we're called out from the world. We're called out from the darkness. Now, you know that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, if any of you remember back when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you know, you still had some of the world about you. 
that you had to be sanctified from, right? You know, my own pastor talks about the, the bondages that he had, you know, and so forth and all. And how it took a while being around. I mean, sometimes things don't necessarily just change immediately. Some things do. But my own pastor talked about how it took a while, you know, how he had, he had to get, hang around God's people, be in church, you know. And, and eventually he got free from some of those things. Well, you know, I had the same testimony. I mean, some things I got immediately free from, thank God for that. But God was still changing things. And he still, he still is. Right? No matter where you're at, how I many know you're still not as holy as God is. Now, the moment Brother Greg walks into church and I see seraphim flying around him saying, holy, holy, holy is Brother Greg. Holy, holy, holy is Brother Greg. I'm going to believe he's arrived. But I didn't see that this morning. And I didn't see that on you. And I didn't see that on me. But God is so holy. The Bible says those living creatures 24-7 are circling the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Until that happens to you, until that happens to me, we still got work to do. I have a feeling that we're going to be at work for a while. Don't you? You know, because sometimes you can think, because I remember when I got saved, okay? I was just stupid. <laughs> But I thought, well, man, I quit drinking Pamp's Blue Ribbon. And that was a big thing for me, you know. I quit, I quit doing all the drugs I was doing, you know. God had delivered me. He'd helped me. And all that's gone out of my life, and I think, I have arrived. I'm not making this up. I'm not saying I had this ego. I was just stupid. Everybody say stupid. <laughs> Kids don't say stupid. Your parents don't let you. But all adults, you could say Stupid. I was just stupid. I, didn't, I thought I had arrived. I read in there in the Bible about the 24 elders. And I thought, well, man, I must be close to getting to be one of them because, man, I've given all this up. You know, I didn't realize there's a whole lot more that God wants you to clean out of your life besides the obvious. Right? You know, you, you know, if you're living in certain areas of sin, obviously God wants you delivered from that. Obviously God wants you free. He still loves you while you're in it, and He's there to help you. Amen. All He wants you to do is keep swinging. Right? A guy came to me one time in church, and he told me his problem, you know, and I think he thought I was going to jump down his throat, you know. And a woman did one time, too, with her issue, you know, and told me, you know, I, you know it was kind of embarrassing and things. And I'm like, man, listen, I, you, I know people. I'm a people. We have to deal with things. We have to deal with the flesh. Right? We have to deal with the world. And we have to deal with the devil. And I know we have to fight things. And I'm always like this. As long as you're fighting, man, I'm on your side. I'm going to help you as much. I'm not going to expose you. I'm not going to tell anybody. There are things I know about some of you, about people, I'll take to my grave. Amen. Because, listen, we're not here to beat people up. We're here to help people get delivered from the world, the flesh, and the devil, and all this curse. We've all been there. Thank God for God's mercy. Yes. You know, I got, I got such a taste. You know, I look back 
before I was saved, and, I, 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 and, and after I got saved, I thought about my earthly father and what he did for me one day and the mercy he showed me one day. And I thought, you know, think how much mercy God has. You know, that, that, remember, remember the story of the prodigal son, how he, Father, give me my inheritance. He took it, went out and wasted it on riotous living, living with harlots. And he, came, and he, he got so bad, he was so broke, he spent all that he had that he, would, he started keeping pigs. Now, for a Jewish boy to keep pigs, things have gotten bad. Amen. And so the Bible says he would have eaten, gladly eaten what they ate. He was that poor. And he came to himself and he said, you know, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough? Now listen to this humility. This is what God wants from us. He said, I'll go to my father and say, Father, I'm not worthy to be your son any longer. Just make me a servant. Because he said, they got a lot better than I do. But guess what? When he showed up, his father didn't make him a servant. He brought out the best robe. He brought out a good ring. He bought out the good slippers. He had a feast for him and said, my son's come back. Hallelujah. That's exactly the way our God is. He's not out. To, he's, he wants you back. And I remember one time I got arrested. Me and some other guys got arrested. This was before I was saved. I got arrested, you know, we had been drinking and doing drugs, and then we had done some damage to a police, one of us had done some damage to a police cruiser, stole the license plate off of it, broke the <laughs> antenna, which that really made them mad. The drinking, I think they let us got away with the drinking and the drugs, but the, that, they didn't like that at all, that, and, and understandably. And so, uh, so they arrested us. And I remember, you know, being in jail and getting the mugshot and all of that. And then they, they turned us loose and let us go. And we had a court date appearance, you know, to appear before the judge to be sentenced, whether that was, you know, jail time or a fine. Uh, I was pretty confident maybe it'd just be, we didn't know what the judge was going to do. He could do e either one. And I remember, you know, I thought, well, you know, nobody knows. I was still living with my parents at the time. I was 19 years old and I'm living with my parents and I'm thinking, well, they'll, they, don't never, they don't ever need to know about this. They'll never know about this. How will they ever know? They, I mean, you know, you know they, they won't know, so I'll just pay the fine. I mean, if I go to jail, they're going to know about that, most likely when I'm not home for supper. Um, they'll probably figure that out, but I was hopeful that's not going to happen, just, just a fine or something. And so, but then someone told me, said, it's coming out in the paper. Now, we were from a small town, you know, uh, Petersburg, you know, and they have a, a, a weekly paper. I don't know, maybe it still does. It comes out on Thursday, but there's not enough news, so it makes it out on Wednesday afternoon. And so it's Wednesday. And I know my parents, they've been getting this paper for 245 years. So I know they're going to see this. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make it in the back. It's on the front page. The front page. And so I realize it's probably better for me to tell my dad. I wasn't going to talk to mom about it. Talk to dad about it. And it's probably for me better to tell dad than for him to open the paper and see it. See, my brain was, even though I was so messed up, my brain was still working a little bit. 
And so I remember dad was in the living room when I went in there and sat down and said, Dad, I got something to tell you. You're going to find out anyway. And I told him the most of the story. <laughs> I didn't tell him about the police cruiser. I didn't tell him about that part. He really wouldn't like that at all. But I told him about most of the story. And I, I was waiting for this wrath to come down upon me, you know. And he looked at me and it marked me. He said, do you need some help? Do you need some money? I mean, that's the way our God is. Only so much more than an earthly person. Amen? So as we're on this trek to holiness, sometimes, you know, we're gonna, we, we may stumble. We may fall. We, we, I, I've got a message. You ought to get it sometime. What to do when you've really blown it. Because if you don't need it now, just put it in the files. Because there'll probably be a day you'll want to pull that out and find out what did pastors say to do when we really, we've really blown it. I tell you what I do when I've really blown it. Go to Psalm 136 and read every verse and highlight every verse that says His mercy endures forever. You know why I say that? Because every verse in Psalm 136 says His mercy endureth forever. Amen. What did David do when he blew it? Have mercy upon me, O God. See, he didn't fall on the law. He's in trouble if he falls on the law. But he fell on the mercy of God. And that's the way our God is. He's a merciful God. He's not there condemning you, beating you down. All he wants you to do is just keep fighting it. And he's going to help you. Amen. Amen. Just keep fighting. And don't give up. You know, here's what God doesn't like. God does not like this. Isaiah, he says, woe to those that call evil good and good evil. As long as you're still calling evil evil, you're okay with God. He'll help you. Amen. Amen. But see, we live in a society today that calls evil good and good evil. God said, woe to you. I don't know what woe is, but when God tells you woe, I don't want to be around to see what happens. Do you? I don't want to be around for that. Amen. So, you know, I still, I still understand. We all miss it. But thank God for mercy. Amen. And thank God for being able to get back up. Hallelujah. One scripture Miss Phyllis she used to really like a lot. She may still. It said when I, it said, I think it's in Micah. It says, when I fall, I shall arise. How many know if you leave church this morning and you step off the the curb out there, and you fall on the pavement, what are you going to do? How fast are you going to get up? You're going to hope nobody saw you. Right? I mean, if we come back Wednesday night and you're still laying there, and I say, hey, what's wrong? Well, I fell after church Sunday morning, Pastor, and we'll get up. Well, you don't understand. I fell. I know that. But get, is anything broken? No, everything's fine. But I fell. Get up. How many know when you blow it spiritually? How many know what to do? Get up. See, God's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. See, He's called us. See, But just like your kids, they don't learn everything overnight. 
right? It's amazing how fast they learn. They don't learn everything overnight. They're still growing. You don't expect out of your two-year-old what you expect out of your 12-year-old. We don't expect out of the 12-year-old what we do out of the 22-year-old. One time, one of our granddaughters was lying. L-Y-I-N-G. Fibbing. And frequently. It didn't just happen one time. (laughs) So Phyllis decided she needed a little help to overcome this. And so Phyllis said to her, do you know where liars go? I don't think she knew. So Phyllis told her, they go to hell. She said, I don't want to go to hell. (laughs) I'm sorry, Grandma. (laughs) Phyllis said, don't tell me you're sorry. You better tell Jesus. And and all of a sudden we hear, she's just praying away. And then she stops and goes, I don't pray quiet. I mean, every now and then, God, you know, the, God needs to put a little bit of the fear of God in us. So we keep going the right direction. My, my, my grandma was good for that. My grandma, uh, my mom's side, uh, she had a picture of Jesus in her living room. And if she thought I was lying, she may have done this to Randy too, but if she thought I was lying, she would make me go stand under that picture of Jesus and then ask me that question again. Put the fear of God in. You'd look up there. That's Jesus. <laughs> what was that you wanted to know, Grandma? Yes, I did it. <laughs> but have you know, if kids aren't supposed to lie, grandparents aren't supposed to either. And sometimes Grandma lied to me. Have you know, we got to set the right example, right? If Grandma didn't want me going out. See, Grandma lived on, I'm closing Grandma didn't want me to go out and play because she lived, her house was on the highway. She had a great big backyard, but the house was on the highway. And, you know, you turn a four-year-old out, you just, you got to keep an eye on them, right? She didn't want to do that. So she would tell me there's eagles out there. (laughs) And she told me eagles could carry me away. She said, they're so strong, they could lift this house up and carry it off. Well, you know, as a four or five-year-old, I ain't going out there. When I did go out there, I'm like, as you bird fly, man, you hit the dust, you know, bam. That might be an eagle. How many know what's good for, what, what's good for the little ones is good for the big ones? Amen. We don't arrive overnight to this place, and I'm not going to be able to read that scripture today. We're closing. But we don't arrive to this place overnight of, you know, of holiness. It's a journey. Isaiah said it's a highway we travel on. As you travel the highway, you get closer and closer to your destination. Every time I come back from a trip, I'm always excited when I start seeing Evansville on the signs. That means I'm getting closer. It might be 100 miles yet, might be 80 miles, but it's not 400, it's not 500. We're getting closer. This, this road, this, this road of holiness with God, it's, it, it's a highway that we're all traveling on. And, and we don't need to judge the, our other brother or our sister. What we need to do is help them if they've fallen off the highway. Don't be like I did one time running a race. I'm running a race and I see this lady laying in the ditch. Obviously she had 
you know, uh, I wouldn't say she'd passed out, but she, she just ran so much it got to her and bam, she was over there. And all I could think of was, I need to finish. And I kept going. Don't judge me. We've all probably done that in life. Later on, I thought, you know, I was just like the Levite. Remember the, remember the man that fell among thieves? You know, the, the Samaritan and the Levite, you know, he was it the priest that walked, you know, walked on the other side. You know, he just didn't even go. The Levite looked at it. He was curious. Hey, I wonder what happened to him. Oh, he's beat up. Let's go. But then there was the good, there was, there was the good Samaritan that stopped and helped. Amen. So when people get in trouble, don't, don't just say, I'm going to the other side of the street. Or don't go over and say, hey, let me check and see what happened then. Boy, man, you should have known better than that. See you later. I mean, anybody with any half a brain wouldn't have done that. Hi, everybody. Did y'all go home? How many know we should be like the Good Samaritan? Say, hey, man, you're in trouble. I better help you up. Pour in the oil and wine. Help you get back on the highway. Because... Someday I might need you to stop and help me. I never forget this. I'll close with this. This is a final closing. Close your Bibles if you want. I'll never forget this. Brother Hagin talking about a minister in their fellowship when he, was, he belonged to a certain denomination years ago. He said, a minister in our fellowship fell into sin. And it's wrong. It's, there's no excuse for it. It's wrong. He fell into sin. And he said, we had our annual convention, you know, the, where all the preachers came together and the leaders of the denomination. And he said, they began to talk about this man that had fallen into sin. He said, they never mentioned him by name, but we all knew who they were talking about. And he said, I said some things about him, you know, too, and all. He said, when I got back to my hotel, he said, I had a supernatural visitation from the Lord. And the Lord said, didn't you say such and such? Oh, he said, the Lord said to him, who are you to judge another man's servant? Brother Hagin said, well, I didn't, Lord, I didn't judge anybody. He said, didn't you say so and such and such about so and so? Brother Hagin said, well, yeah, but I'm just saying what everybody else said. He said, well, whose servant is he? He said, well, Lord, if he's anybody's servant, he's yours. And the Lord said, well, if he's my servant, I can make him stand. And he said, son... If you'd have been in his shoes, you might have done a lot worse. Isn't that a rebuke? Brother Hagin said that man, that minister that fell into sin, he got his life straightened out and became the best minister in all of the region, the most respected, the most fruitful. I remember that we talked about a guy today. His name was David. He messed up big time. Did you not? But he became the greatest king outside of Jesus Christ the world's ever seen. And even in the end times, when you read biblical prophecy in the millennium, he's going to be king over Israel. Hallelujah. I might be mayor over Boonville. If I keep at it, praise the Lord. No offense to Boonville. Boonville needs a mayor like every place. But you know what? God's going to make us kings and priests and rulers. 
But David, you know what I'm saying? David messed, messed up. But his heart was for God. You know, people have a heart for God sometimes mess up. I thought of it this way. There was another king before David. His name was Saul. How many remember Saul? Saul one day disobeyed God and didn't kill all the Amalekites. Remember that? All right. He disobeyed God. David committed adultery with a woman and had her husband murdered to cover it up. Amen. You can say what you want, but he put him in the hottest, had him put in the hottest part of the battle, knowing he'd get killed. That's murder. Even though he didn't physically do it, he had it done. And I thought, if I was buying a house and the, and, and the real estate agent shows me a house and I said, well, who's the neighbors? Uh, this guy committed adultery and had the, the woman's husband killed. This guy in this neighborhood to this other house I'm showing you, that neighbor there, he disobeyed God once. I'll live by the guy that disobeyed God once. I don't want this guy that killed it. <laughs> Slept with another man's woman and killed her husband. I got a woman. Oh, you follow me? But you know what? There was a big difference between David and Saul. David's, David messed up, but his heart was to follow God. Saul's was not. God was able to redeem David. Amen. How many know there's hope for all of us? Amen. Do you get anything today? There's hope for every one of us. And so no matter where you're at on this road to holiness, whether you're, you're a long ways down it or you just got started, just keep traveling it. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. You, you run your own race. Paul said to compare yourself with others is not wise. Amen. Thank God for His Word. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.